All right, we're back. Welcome back. It's EGAT, Kevin Dunn, Paul Wadlington. Paul and I were laughing beforehand because, and I'm not surprised that I do it because of radio formalities. You just get used to it and the training. But how we always come in and I go, all right, who's starting again? And you're like, let's just start talking. So we just started talking. Yeah, we, we're, we're honoring the conventions of radio, which you do almost sort of subliminally, right? Because it's been impact, you know, of course you do it because you're trained on it and you live that life. Um, I am proud of you, though, that you don't do the time every 15 minutes as no. they do on radio or uh, talk about a mattress on I-35. Yeah, diverting traffic. I don't do either. And I don't do it on radio. Uh, the, the constant resetting gets old, gets really, really old. I understand uh, there are numbers that would show that there are certain things that you have to hit, and we try and do that, and I probably do that more now than I have before, but it, 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 we don't need to do that. It's a podcast. It's EGAT. People are subscribing, reviewing, and, Paul, uh, it's been pretty cool. Yep, it has been cool. You guys have been really uh, paying attention to doing that. We've been asking you guys to do that. We're providing you with, uh, you know, Above average sports talk and pop culture takes, and occasionally we make you laugh out loud in your, on your commute or during your workout. And uh, the way you can repay us is obviously use our sponsors, who are fantastic. You'll be frankly paying yourself in that, in that matter. But the way to really help us, too, is to subscribe to the podcast and then leave a review. If it's a, a really shitty review, uh, you could just pass. You're yeah. good. You don't, you, don't, you don't need to leave that review. Uh, or if you want to leave one that's incredibly uh, mean, I, I would e be eager to read that if you'll give it five stars. Then, then I'll take it in and, and enjoy it. But uh, anyway, your reviews and your subscriptions really matter to the podcast. They are a big deal for us in tracking how it's doing and how we can position it and it, people finding it organically, which is happening more and more, Kevin. So it's pretty exciting for us. And, of course, the way you can help yourself and help us is go, after, go and uh, talk to our great sponsors, Gabe at Mortgage Solutions, or formerly of Mortgage Solutions, I should say. Gabe has his own outfit now, and it's really freed him up uh, in, in a ton of different ways that are very friendly to the consumer. We've read the testimonials that people are offering on Gabe. They've been really fun to read and really exciting, saving people a ton of money and really helping people make good financial decisions and, frankly, pretty ethical decisions on Gabe's part and not always jumping on the chance to refi right away, but actually telling someone, hold, you know, I think of Braveheart, when uh, they are getting charged by the English cavalry mm -hmm. and Mel Gibson saying, hold, hold, <laughs> hold. And then he says, go. And they all lift up their spears and impale all the horses. So uh, that was a little too violent yeah, for what I'm, the imagery I'm trying to go for. Interesting uh, image there for what, for what you're trying to sell, but <laughs> go for it. Let's, let's reset. Uh, it's 10:15 yeah. in the a.m. and there's a mattress on the on the highway and I-35. You'll be diverting about a 10-minute delay. It's 67 beautiful <laughs> degrees in Austin, Texas. Is there any place you'd else you'd rather be, Kevin Dunn? Well, I'd probably like to be with Steve Adler. Steve Adler is in Puerto Rico right now, but uh, yeah, it, that we're not doing that. But that was a uh, no. good good image and I think point taken. Point taken. Yeah. Well, so look, the bigger point we want you to get. You mentioned EGAT. Gabe's going to give you $500 off of your mortgage. He's also going to be a great advisor of optimal timing, what you can do in terms of structuring your money. He's a creative, sharp guy. And if you don't want to put money down and you want to refi, he'll make it work. If you are buying a new home and you want to find even ways to extract money from the deal, you don't always have to pay. 
to get your mortgage. Uh, he can make it work. He's a sharp dude. He's got a lot of tools at his disposal to make things work for you and to get you in your dream home or make your current home more cash palatable. So give him a call, 832-557-1095. I was not able to speak with Gabe before we did this podcast. I don't know if we're running a post-Super Bowl special or uh, pre-spring game special, but the guy is a, a lunatic, and he will probably have some sort of promotion coming up in the next year. But the promotion that we run routinely, the $500 in your pocket, that's a pretty good deal, and uh, that should be sufficient to, to get you motivated. And I can tell you who also is motivated, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive line when they saw what was lined up across from them during the Super Bowl. Yes. No, they, they absolutely were. You know, in terms of that, maybe uh, some type of special from Gabe, and this is coming from a Cubs fan, so I hate to, to bring the loser aspect into it right away, but Harry Carey's bar remember like in the 90s. I mean, I was living in Austin, but I thought it was so cool. The Cubs went on one of their epic losing streaks, and it got to 23 games or something like that, and so they started serving 23-cent cups of beer at Harry Carey's, and of course, the place just sold out. So maybe with Texas basketball, because we are going to get to the Super Bowl here, but I know I've had some people saying, hey, you guys haven't mentioned Texas basketball at all. We were going to, and they were playing well, and then they were going to get to that point where really we were going to maybe kind of mention them here and there. And, man, this has been a tough losing streak. So Kansas State tonight, we're dealing with that, and maybe Gabe can do something with Texas and kind of how they're playing because their turnovers have been in the 20s. It's been it's been too much. Have you checked out any of that? Uh, Yeah, the Shaco swoon, uh, yeah. not unpredictable, no. and so I am trying to avoid it yeah, for my positive mental space. I know you are, and so anyway, for people that are asking that question, uh, we're, we're going to get back to it. Hopefully they'll win tonight. they got a couple easier games, and then maybe uh, get out of the Shaka swoon, as he's saying. Yeah, in terms of the Super Bowl, it, you know, we said it last week that, that the offensive line was going to be such a huge part of this. And I don't think people gave it enough credit. I ended up picking Tampa Bay because of that, at least on the, the show. I'm not sure what I did here. So that shows you that I really felt like it was going to be a toss-up game. And it was anything but that. I mean, the offensive line was even a bigger factor than people that thought it was going to be a factor. And really good job by Todd Bowles. The shell coverage they ran, primarily cover mm -hmm. two, which was not – they were single high. I watched that first game where Tyreek Hill went for 269 was killing Carlton Davis or David and that was that was a really good adjustment by Bowles he went against pretty much all the stuff he does he broke a lot of tendencies and Paul did you not think Kansas City oversimplified like I, I, like Tyree Kill wasn't in motion it felt like it just felt like they weren't they weren't as flashy or as gimmicky with the eye candy as they usually are yeah so here's a crazy thing Kevin you and I both sort of begrudgingly went chalk on the podcast and said Kansas City, I guess. Okay. And you know what's crazy? You changed your mind right after I recorded the podcast. I had a weird feeling in my stomach that that, that was the wrong thing to say. And so I immediately texted some of my friends, and I was like, I just picked Kansas City on the podcast. Tampa Bay's going to win. Yeah. And it, it's so and we funny did the podcast earlier. Too. We did the podcast earlier, and so we picked on Friday, and I would say by Thursday, yeah. it just got to. So, so here were the two things that were that I was battling. I knew Tampa Bay was a better team at this moment, 
At least I felt like they were because they had a better offensive line, a better defensive line. They they had a better overall defense. I like Kansas City's back end more, but it's not like their back end is Legion of Boom where it's that big of a difference. And the quarterbacks, look, Mahomes is better, but Brady's pretty damn close. So all that I kind of added up, but also it's this new new age of football that where the old theories that we had, the old axioms, don't always translate like they used to. It used to be that if you had a better offensive line and defensive line and you were going to own the line of scrimmage, that was an easy mm-hmm. pick. And I think probably you and I have been fighting that, which is good because we're not just old heads that are living in 1987, but knowing that offense can just win out now. And the line of scrimmage doesn't always make the biggest difference. But when it's that lopsided, it still does. Yeah, well, we've got a lot to unpack. So I'm so glad you mentioned the offensive line. And that's one of the reasons I changed my opinion is I started to actually dig in. on Because I knew I, I don't follow pro football as religiously as I follow college football. Uh, but I try to stay current. And I usually stay current on the teams that return the least amount of my investment, like the Cowboys. So uh, unfortunately, I didn't realize the, the depth and extent to which Kansas City was affected. Obviously, everyone knew about Eric Fisher being out. That was a big deal. People forgot, and I momentarily forgot, Mitchell Schwartz had been lost earlier in the year, the other tackle, the right tackle. Yeah. They also had Tardif, who is a medical doctor. Sat out. He has a medical degree. Yeah. He sat out because of COVID. Right. And so they are down. What a pussy. Starting. I'm no, sorry. I'm kidding. I, I'm totally kidding. I said, what a pussy. Um, no. <laughs> no, I, you, well, know, you know, what? In, in hindsight, <laughs> I, I think you, what you and I said about football going off and it was all going to be fine did prove to be true. Yeah. And sometimes having too much knowledge can actually make you lose sight of the big picture. And maybe, maybe Tardif did that, but in any event, and you know, Hey, quickly, a- quickly, he, he's a great story. And I saw a special on him. So, I mean, I, but you know, there are football people probably within the Kansas city organization, like the assistant offensive line coach that deep down thinks that. Yeah. Well, look, let's not try to make up now. You called the guy a pussy. So <laughs> let's, let's stick with it. I'm going to, I'm going to put that, I'm going to headline no. this podcast with that. Uh, I'm sure you will, but, there's a critical mass of loss on an offensive line where you go from serviceable to sucking. And Fisher was the last straw. They were already down and Fisher going out. They transitioned from, ah, we can work around that. We got Patrick Mahomes and we can scheme it. And we got Andy Reid and we're bringing up the enemy and they're, we're going we're gonna to be creative and no one can solve Tyree Kill and try, you know. You know what? At a certain point, if your offensive line goes from you know, uh, just okay enough to terrible, yeah. you're going to get your ass beat. Yep. And yes, I do agree. Andy could have done a little bit more in terms of multiplicity. I just think if you're getting your ass kicked by a four man rush down after down, after down, uh, Patrick Mahomes after that Super Bowl was the most pressured passer in Super Bowl history. The most knocked down passer in Super Bowl history. Do you know, and, do you know, you know how many yards he ran for just scrambling? In that game? Over 400. 497. <laughs> like, and Brady's, I couldn't find Brady's. I heard it on the on the radio, on national radio. and He, he scrambled for nine. Okay. <laughs> no, no. It, Paul, it was around there. It, 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 was, it was 19 or 18. I mean, he looks like a like wounded animal whenever he is scrambling for the football. 
he is he's just it, it, there's something it's something that doesn't add up and I think our eyes want I mean because he just does not look athletic when he's moving around but god he's so graceful in terms of just little things in the pocket and then his delivery his accuracy you know his zip is still there breeze it left and and his it's not what it used to be but he can still make some throws no question about that. I mean, he played a, a surgical game and, and obviously played very well. Now, if you put him behind Kansas City's offensive line, oh, it God. would not have been pretty. <laughs> but uh, you know what? Uh, Patrick Mahomes, there are idiots, and I know there's always idiots, but post that Super Bowl, there were guys being like, maybe Mahomes isn't the guy. Now we know who the go to is. It's like, no, Mahomes played his heart out, and he was trying to make you know chicken salad out of chicken shit. And... I just, you know, I've, I've felt for the guy, <laughs> to yeah. be honest with you. But what? by the same token, I've got to praise Todd Bowles. And you mentioned that early. And that's something you and I had talked about. If, if they can get pressure with honest pressure with four, Kansas City, you know, can be solved. Is one of the most blitz and pass rush happy guys in the NFL as a coordinator, tendency wise. 45% yeah. of Tampa Bay defensive plays during the regular season were a blitz. In that Super Bowl, they blitzed five times. It's amazing. I mean, he brought, and, he broke all of his personal tendencies the last five years. And, and you know what? And now that you and I, just as football analysts, uh, if you want to grace us with that title, we, we knew that that was the game plan. That was the winning game plan. Yeah. But it's so difficult to say that you and I sitting in an armchair when you actually have to go implement it. When you've been teaching this pressure defense and you've been teaching these certain coverages and shells to your team the int- for years at Tampa Bay, and now you're saying, hey, guys, we're going to shift it up, and you're going to go too deep, cover two, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to rush for our two linebackers, Levante David and Devin White, who both played tremendous games. I want you to line up at pass drop depth, not run stopping depth. And you know what? We're the number one rushing defense in the NFL. I don't care how many yards they rush for. Don't care. Not worried about it. Uh, we're just going to stop Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey's going to get open on the middle of the field a little bit. Not worried about that either. Just make sure you tackle him. And, and that was the defense, and it utterly dominated. And, and you might say, that's the defense I would design. That's what I would do. Well, it's one thing to say you would do it. It's another thing to get your guys to go execute it flawlessly. And that's what Bowles did. Huge props to that guy. Totally agree. Uh, well said and totally agree. It, like the shell coverages they ran – they did run a cover three kind of shell where they blitz both cornerbacks. So he really mixed it up. And even though yep. a majority of it was cover two and it was not blitzing, he knew he could get pressure. Jason Pierre-Paul, Vita Vea being able to take a majority of the snaps, and they moved him around. They put him up against the tackle to push back. He obviously was in the middle of the line. And you go through kind of that whole Shaq Barrett was huge. He had eight quarterback pressures, his percentages. And, you know, I mean, he just graded off the charts. This PFF on their defense looks like the PFF whenever Alabama takes on takes on Southern, Southern Alabama, right, in, in yeah. one of those FCS games. And they always give the, the, the grades on that. I'm like, oh, this is going to look like a video game. The other thing, too, is that, you know, with these coaches with bowls, they're so ideological. I mean, it, it's, it becomes a religion for them. And we've kind of laughed about the three and four men front. And that's what really separates Saban and also Belichick. I mean, Belichick could have stuck with the three, four after what he did to the K gun with the giants and the, and those teams in the eighties in the defense. 
but he continued to just be diverse and to shift and to be open-minded. And Saban's done the same thing. But the reality is majority of people offensively and defensively, especially that are coordinators, and then all of a sudden get that term, it's an offensive mind, defensive mind, they really stick with what got them there. It's what got Todd Orlando in trouble here. And, and being able to break out of, okay, this is what got me here, but taking it kind of to that next level. And then one more thing, the Mahomes goat thing, I heard you kind of mention that. We This is also why I, I probably don't listen to Twitter as much as I should for my job or look at Twitter is that the whole goat conversation, we overuse goat way too much. And I heard that. It's like, mm-hmm. well, I guess Mahomes, you know, he could have been kind of like the next goat. No, there's no goat stuff. Goat is the greatest of all time. Pat Mahomes can't do that right now, okay? He, he can do that maybe in the next four or five years, but even that would be early. Just give it some time. We, 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 we speed up everything here, and I don't know if it's just because we're just bored with conversation or we have too many platforms now. Well, you know my pet peeve. We're ahistorical. So yes. people think the world was invented sometime in 2014. Right. And, and, and that's, you know, the second Obama term was the invention of the planet. And that's not the case. And there have been antecedents to Patrick Mahomes. Anyone remember a guy named Dan Marino? Oh, man. And he got to his first one. He got his first one early. Early. Maybe said, first, oh, and he lost. Yeah, first or second and year. And he lost. Yeah, he did. He and lost. He lost. But but Paul but Paul oh, you, he'll be back. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You and I remember that because that was even in the late eighties, it was like, oh, he'll be back at some point. And then all of a sudden his Achilles pops and he's that old guy who's faking a spike and you and I just thought, man, that, that went by quickly. I thought he was supposed to get to another one. Yeah, well he hawked some isotone or gloves on the way, so <laughs> props props to Dan. But yeah, the, also you had the John Elway narratives, right? Another yeah. guy, a quarterback from that era and, and that amazing uh, draft class. John Elway was the do-everything-put-the-game-on-my-shoulders guy for the Broncos when they had nothing else, right? And, and single-handedly basically got them to Super Bowls and AFC Championship games. And people were like, he's a loser. He doesn't show <laughs> up in the big game. Then, amusingly, when his powers have actually declined – and they put him in the Shanahan system, the elder Shanahan in this instance, and they get a tremendous running game, and they've got a tremendous defense. Elway's a game manager, gets him to a couple of Super Bowls and wins in the culmination of his career. And then people are saying, look, this proves he's the GOAT. And you're like, no, you idiot. I know. Like, this, he's like at 80% of his powers right now. Like, he, he's, he's been carried by this incredible structure, and of course doing a good job in it as a veteran quarterback, but – People just fit these narratives in such stupid ways analytically. And in sports, it's harmless. But unfortunately, we're increasingly seeing this bleed into other areas of our lives that actually matter. Yeah. And, and it's, a, it's something we need to head off because I, I don't understand this need for narrative instead of just looking at things happening. Right. And then saying, OK, now where does that put us? OK. I mean, I understand the desire to set a compass bearing and say, well, it seems to be going this way. Well, it's no longer going this way. So are you going to stick with the narrative or are you going to actually honor what's happening? And, and that's the frustrating thing to me about all this is now Mahomes sucks and now this proves Brady's the greatest. Hey, Brady played very well. He was a game manager, yeah. and, period. That's he, what he did in that Super Bowl. And props to him. Seven Super Bowl wins is unassailable. I can't fathom that a human being will do that in the NFL 
uh, with the salary cap, right? That's just not going to happen again. No, no. I, I, I No one's going to probably play that long, and who knows how much longer he's going to play. So definitely, definitely props to him. And, yeah, w- uh, well said on the, on the narrative part. But, um, you know, all in all, it was – it was really just kind of fun to watch someone like that just continue to attain greatness. And so you can either hate on that or you can love that. But for me, I've, I've the last probably four or five years been able to just appreciate Tom Brady kind of for what he is. I will say it's a hell of a lot easier that he's not with new England. Well, yes, I think that's fair. I understand that. I have a love-hate relationship with New England as sort of the evil empire, right? Whereas you're a kid and you're like, yeah, I know they're evil, but Darth Vader's really cool. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. Boba Fett, he's awesome. I know he's a, oh, I respect a merciless him. bounty. I know he's a merciless bounty hunter, but he's kind of cool. Uh, I kind of, uh, you know, I, I want him to win. <laughs> it's just, it's just, uh, it's, it's kind of like you just can't help it, but admire what they're doing, Were you uh, even if you're tired of the dynasty. Were you rooting for Drago? No, okay. no, All no. Right. I was I, I got sold on the Russian training when he was training in the snow and and uh, <laughs> outrunning the KGB up the mountain and right. lifting the wood logs while Drago's running on the treadmill and getting his steroid injections. <laughs> no, I, I like the Rocky. Rocky did it natural, and of course the five foot seven Sylvester Stallone could beat up the uh, six foot five Dolph Lundgren in real life. Yeah, he made an appearance in one of the commercials, which I, I, I did not watch many of the commercials. I went to a very small gathering. I like how we have to explain that now. People will throw that out there instead of just saying, yeah, you say oh, I, I went to a party. I went to a very small gathering. Most of the people had been tested and ha- more than half had already acquired the disease. Uh, yeah, I, I, you're a no sh- threat of me COVID shaming you about anything. <laughs> know, uh, the I best know. was... Just a quick aside, we'll get back to the Super Bowl because there's more to, to wrap up. But uh, did you see Carolina beat Duke? And so all the Carolina students I in did. a big outpouring spontaneously ran out and started celebrating. Yeah. And they all took pictures and then a bunch of journalists, sports journalists, you know, COVID shamed them. And then the Carolina president came out and said ominously that we've seen what the students have done and there will be consequences. <laughs> Oh God! Just like yeah, just get over yourself. Yeah, shut up. Get over yourself. You know, you kind of mentioned it earlier, and not to circle back too much to it, but there is no, you know what? I was wrong. I'm sorry. Especially if you're a journalist and that's what you do for a living, a sports journalist. You write on this stuff, and you are out there saying they should not have this season, and they have the season in the NFL, especially without many hitches at all. And even throughout that process, there were times where some of these some of these guys, I'll say guys because it's guys I'm thinking of, that would throw stuff out there, and it just felt like we laughed at some of the college guys early on. But once it's working, for the most part, at that point, just say I was wrong. And I haven't seen any of those. It's like they just kind of moved on. Peter King had had no problem covering the Super Bowl that he said shouldn't happen the whole year. Yeah, I, I, there's a sort of shamelessness about it that bothers me. There's no taking to account for these guys. And if you do take them to account, you're portrayed as some sort of uh, conspiracy theorist who thinks COVID doesn't exist. It's like, no, no, no that's not what this is about. No. Um, I mean, do you remember when the Big Ten 
didn't want to play. And suddenly myocarditis and pericarditis was the most important, horrible thing that could happen because these otherwise healthy athletes, their hearts are going to explode. And then the Big Ten is shamed and forced to basically play because they're facing an internal revolt from their own constituents. And guess what? How many times did you hear about pericarditis and myocarditis the rest of that season, Kevin? Not once. And boy, I heard a bunch about it. And then talking to people that were in that profession, they said, this has been around forever. Well, and you and I specifically called that out on a podcast saying this is bullshit. This is a pretext. This is nonsense. And to have journalists carrying the water for the Big Ten corporately, what a weird relationship. What a weird concept. Yeah. And, and it got wrapped up with virtue signaling and like I care more about COVID than you do. And even though I'm a sports writer, I want – I mean these are the same idiot sports writers who are like – you know, uh, football's dangerous, therefore it should be canceled and, and never be played again. And then they and go cover like, it. But you'll cover it anyway, won't you, buddy? Yeah. That's cute. Yeah. Adorable. Um, so, anyway, I'm sorry for that aside, that, that no. slice of vitriol like that it. Kevin and I share. But someone must hold these men accountable, and Kevin and I are doing it. Well, because we do it on this podcast. I just do it as a human. I, I don't understand the problem with it. And maybe I'm not proud enough. Maybe it's that. But you just just admit when you're wrong. You're going to be wrong. It's 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 not the end of the world. If you're wrong 99% of the time, then rethink some things. But it's just, yeah, exactly. But, but especially – Start doing the Costanza thing. Right? Yeah, exactly. Just do everything opposite. But in terms of credibility, just as a human, but certainly with your job on that, I would think that you would even take those opportunities. I know I have and said, hey, you know, I'm going to point out that I was wrong here. No one even pointed it out, but I'm going to point it out because I, yep. I, I'm wrong about stuff, too. But I'm also right about stuff. So there you go. Yeah. Hey, back to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I want to put. You know, sometimes you're the sometimes you're the the goat, and I mean this in the sense of G O A T, lowercase, not the greatest of all time, but literally like you're the foil, yeah. you're the the patsy in a football game, and sometimes you're the hero. Boy, Bashad Breland had two very different Super Bowls back to back, didn't he? The Kansas City cornerback. Yes, he did. And did you see Tyree Kill and Breland going at it on the sideline? You could feel that sideline imploding. I felt like that game was over sooner than most people at that small gathering. Yeah, <laughs> small gathering, uh, a responsible gathering. Everyone was socially distanced. Was we didn't high five. Small gathering. <laughs> well, you're, yeah, you're exactly right because you had Honey Badger melting down. You mm -hmm. had Tyree Kill melting down, and you know, the Chiefs are immensely talented, and they have some really good dudes on that team. They also have some character risks, right? They had some guys that they took who are, uh, you know, in the instance of Tyreek Hill, had had some pretty serious offenses. And the instances of others were just seen as kind of erratic or, or me-first right. guys. And sometimes when things aren't going your way by the narrative, right, and you start to believe in your own narrative, you can kind of fall apart and collapse a little bit as a football team. And, you know, that that is one of the things that can be helpful about a Tom Brady. He can be a very stabilizing influence on those sorts of guys. But Mahomes obviously is a stabilizing influence. I think he's a good leader as well. But, you know, there's something about having seven rings and, and 20 years under your belt that projects a level of confidence to your team if you have a little early setback. Right. I mean, yeah, when 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 Tampa Bay went forward on fourth and one, which was the correct call, shut up all the people saying take the points uh, and they didn't get it. 
boy, you could have been like, oh, that's a turning point. Oh, we, we, oh we're going to regret that. Yeah, they were fine. You know what? They stopped Kansas City. They got the ball back and they went and scored a touchdown. Yeah. So, you know, I just think that there is value to that sort of calmness. And, and sometimes the, the totality of character of your football team can matter. And, and I saw that little bit of a meltdown on the Chiefs' sideline as well. And, yeah, I thought they got a couple of tough penalties. But you know what? Most of those penalties were well-deserved. Most so, of them were. Uh, and, and, and Bashad Breeland, not just in the passing game, was really targeted in the running game. Mm-hmm. Wow. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers basically decided to leave the Chiefs' cornerbacks unblocked. And then they just run at him. Yeah. And, uh, and run over him. Well for him. They ran right over him. Uh, yeah, they did. I, I noticed that, too. Interesting. And Tampa Bay did some things they usually don't do. Byron Leftwich, I like him as a coordinator. I mean, he was dealing with Winston. But, you know, Arian said that he was not going to take this job unless he could get Byron Leftwich as his OC. Like, that. that's how much Arians is, is a respected mind. That's how much he thinks of, of Byron Leftwich which I had to show BK the video. Do you remember Leftwich getting carried down the field by his yes. offensive lineman? BK, yeah. did, BK didn't believe that happened. I said, no, that really happened. He said, well, what do you mean they carried him down? I said, he was a big guy, too. They carried him down, yep. and they still got the next playoff because his leg was that messed up. But he's a really bright mind, and he he's worked well with Brady. So read a really good article a couple months ago kind of delving in to that relationship and and that you know that's the other thing too is when you have new relationships as long as you're moving in the right direction then you you should be a hell of a lot better two months down the road and that just continued to be the case for them they were the best team in football that I saw in the playoffs and I watched every single minute that uh, this year uh, by the end of it they were and they were not the the case that that was not the case early on in the year I said well why watch that Chiefs game did you watch that what week five week six Chiefs game that was ugly man the Chiefs just torched them and for Tampa Bay to turn it around like that it's pretty damn impressive how about Tristan Wirfs too we mentioned it this guy is he's gonna be a stud he already is yeah stud offensive lineman I, I, I thought he played really well really acquitted himself well and also the the Tampa Bay interior offensive line played really well Chris Jones is no joke and they did a good job on him in the run game. Uh, the center and the Jensen. guard, whose name I am blanking on. Brian Jensen's the center, and probably Marpet is the guard you're thinking of because they pulled. Marpet. Yeah, they pulled. Yes. They pulled Ali him Marpet. on one of those touchdowns. Ali Marpet is nasty. He is. That dude can play. Yeah, and uh, I was very impressed by him. So yeah, Tampa Bay. You're exactly right. It's not how you start; it's how you finish. And so they were at one point seven and five. 12 games of the regular season. I mean, 12 games in, that's pretty, you know, you're kind of who you are, right? That's what that you would at least think. And they lost to the Chicago Bears, Kevin, yeah. which is an embarrassing loss, I in that. my opinion. Yeah. Uh, they've gotten whipped twice by the bully of their division, New Orleans. The second time, it was 38-3. to And then they lost two close games back-to-back to Kansas City and the L.A. Rams, which proved, right, proved in quotes, that this wasn't a championship-quality team. They couldn't handle these better echelon teams. And you know what? Tampa Bay won four in a row to win the wild card to close the regular season. Then they won four playoff games from the wild card, which is not easy to do. Three of those four games, they were substantial underdogs. And by the end of each game, you realize what you realize, Kevin, which is, hey, this wasn't a fluke. Tampa Bay was the better team. Yeah. 
No, they were the better team. They really were. And, that, and that's also kind of what happened last week. I just started thinking about it. I said, wait a minute, you've watched every minute. And I watched, I've watched more of the NFL the last couple of years than I have going back to the mid-90s. And I really enjoy it and I watched as much as I can. And I just thought, I thought, wait a minute, like you, you just have to, you got to kind of move with the flow of the current. And the current right now is with Sue Vea, Pierre Paul, White, David Barrett. That front, that was as good as any and matched up so well with what you needed. You needed athletic linebackers. You know, we talked about Travis Kelsey, and I said on the show uh, yesterday that it's almost like the way he drifts back to the middle of the field during that scramble drill that they run so seamlessly. It's like you ever been in a really bad undertow? I know you have. And you look up and you're like, oh, my God, we have moved a lot, right? And he does that so naturally that you know people have seen that on film, but linebackers have never been able to hedge that 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 angle and and really get to that point. And because it's got to almost be unnatural and not what you're taught in terms of trying to get to that law or that target point. But they cut back to the middle of the field and they were taking that shit away all game long. I mean, you got guys like Devin White, Devin White and Levante David that are that athletic. You can get away with that. It was a great matchup for what they had on defense and what Kansas City had on offense, especially considering the offensive line. Yeah, they did a really terrific job of covering Kelsey on third down, especially. Yep. Um, all the other downs, I mean, Kelsey finished with 10 catches for 133 yards. He's I mean, going to get his. I mean, almost quiet, which is a weird thing to say about that kind of performance. But um, they were happy to concede those passes in the middle of the field. They just were not going to let Tyreek Hill beat them. And McCall Hardman and Byron Pringle, they proved that you can solve those guys pretty easy. Uh, they're they're one-trick ponies. And if, as long as you don't hemorrhage a deep ball to them, they can't hurt you with route running, right? They don't have complementary skills. And that is the one not can offer on Tyreek Hill. He is a, 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 he is a freak. He, he's, the, he's the fastest, quickest guy I've ever seen in a football field. Me too. Uh, Me too. I, 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 I don't think I've seen anyone better. That said, he's not a great route runner. And so if you run that two shell, hey, man, uh, the, the DeAndre Hopkins of the world, they could still catch 10 balls mm-hmm. on that with, with pure route running and ball winning. That's not Tyreek Hill's game. He's not Larry Fitzgerald, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm talking about a prime Larry Fitzgerald, not the 35-year-old Larry Fitzgerald. So I, I just think that that is the one thing that people missed is that dynamism, I mean, it's incredible. I've never seen anything like it, but it only happens in a certain context. You can take Tyreek Hill away by simple coverage and emphasis. And you can't always do that to a Julio Jones or to the elite route-running guys who are also freaks. Yeah, it also helps when the offense keeps it pretty simple for you and they keep him in one spot and don't put him in motion. And he and – they didn't utilize Let's talk him. Talk about that. They didn't utilize him well enough. The other thing too, I was really surprised. I understand that, and look, Joe Brady and Joe Burrow proved this perfectly last year that you can go just protect five and send everyone out and actually be able to use that if you've got everything synchronized and and set up to where you got different hot routes, check routes, and don't worry the, that as long as our five can block their four, then or, you know. Otherwise, they're going to be in trouble. But I was surprised they left Kansas City left their tackles on the islands they did 
knowing the issues that they were going to have and were having. They did. I mean, there's two theories on this, right? You can protect more, but then that limits your offense and your options, right? And so that they, they could say, well, we're playing under Todd Bowles' hands because we're allowing Tyreek Hill to be even more stifled. And now he can help on Travis Kelsey, right? Or you could say, no, no, no. You deal with pressure by putting everyone out into routes, and then you get rid of the ball quickly. Well, you need a certain requisite level of offensive line play for either one of them to work. Should Kansas City have tried it? Yeah, they should have gone 12 personnel. Just give it a shot. Probably wouldn't have helped. Something. Probably wouldn't have helped. And I can tell you this, no matter what their formation, they should have been a little more stubborn running the ball because they could run the ball on Tampa Bay. The, Tampa Bay was conceding that. And the times they did run, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire looked good. And so yeah. I don't think that would have changed the game outcome, but I do think it would have been a closer score. I, uh, but, you know, other than that, I can't give Andy and Biennemi too much crap just because I, I do think they hit the, that tipping point on the offensive line where there just weren't going to be easy solutions. And Bowles, to his credit, he just – put in a hell of a game plan and then coached his guys up to execute it. I mean, he, sh to me, he's the game MVP. I understand Brady's going to get it because he's Tom Brady, but to me, Todd Bowles is the dude. Yeah. I mean, he's, he should be the guy riding in the center car on the, on the parade in Tampa. Yeah. He's definitely getting his love tough time with the jets, but he's a pretty good defensive mind. And as we said, went against pretty, pretty much his philosophy and kind of what he's built his, his brand on, if you want to call it that, his reputation and that is getting pressure but he was able to to do the smart thing and the funny thing is Kansas City I know it's against what they're what they do and they love to gas it up and score a bunch but in retrospect the best way the only way for them to try and stay in this game and win this game would have been to really have time of possessions and long drives and actually we were talking about uh, Tampa Bay keeping Mahomes off the field well, actually, for Kansas City to be in this, they would have had to kept Brady off the field and done it with long drives and punched them in. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and so uh, an interesting statistic that did carry over from that first matchup, obviously Tyreek Hill torched them running single high. Carl, poor Carlton Davis looked like Carlton for fresh Prince of Bel-Air trying <laughs> to play basketball, right, yeah. in covering Tyreek Hill. And uh, that didn't go well. But you know what? Bulls played zone in the second half, and Kansas City – didn't score a touchdown. They didn't get into the red zone. And, and that was an interesting thing that I guess carried over in that I think they could have moved the ball more effectively with some tweaks and certainly running Clyde Edwards-Hilaire more. I think when things tightened up in the red zone, I, I still think they would have been held out of it. And I, I just don't think there was a game plan where Kansas City was going to break 20 points. I, I just don't see it because I think it was that bad on the offensive line. And Bowles did that good of a job. So – you know, ultimately, it's it's uh, you know it's, it's up for debate. Who knows what could have happened? But boy, Tampa Bay just had the right personnel, the right game plan, and Kansas City had the right weaknesses. That 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 game was. I mean, I just I thought it was over at halftime. I did too. And you know, and I just was like, you know, this isn't freakish, right? This is no. This team's better, and you know, obviously, Kansas City's going to reboot. They're going to reload. Uh, I'm assuming in the draft they're going to go after some offensive linemen. I'm assuming they're going to try to find a, a third or fourth round steal at wide receiver who's a more complete wide receiver and not just a speed guy. Uh, but they'll be back. I mean, they're not going anywhere. And uh, 
What would be interesting to see is what Tampa Bay does because that's a good football team, and I'm very curious to see if they can, can live with success. Yeah, it, it, they've done a good job with the draft, too. I know it's easy to look at because every guy who scored a touchdown was someone who was acquired who came in, and primarily because of Brady. So you got Brady, you got Fournette, you've got Antonio Brown, you got Gronk, guys like that. But they've done a good job in the draft, and for, for nerds like us that watch a ton of college football, that's one of the great things about the draft is that you know a lot of these random names. And this is not a random name because his dad was an All-American and then a badass for Minnesota. But Antoine Winfield Jr. was a great pick. And he was not going to be a spark-type guy. He was not going to be a 40-type of guy. But he's a football player. And you kind of saw that, even the the catch on the rebound. By the way, Tampa Bay, a lot of hands-on balls, man. They they were deflecting stuff left and right. Devin White, we knew that was a great pick. Vita Vea, we knew that was a great pick. I know those are early picks, but people still miss on those, too. And so... You knew if you watched those guys at LSU and Washington, respectively, that that was going to work out. And then you look at, obviously, Mike Evans was a good pick, but we talked about Tristan Wirfs earlier. They've done a good job of kind of piecing this thing together, and I think only more people are going to want to go there. Getting back to your Kansas City, kind of the receivers being pushed around a little bit. I don't know if you saw Devin White. There's always, right after the game, you want to get immediate post-game reaction. So don't even let them wait two hours. Try and find, there's usually one defender, but one guy on the team, after they win it, who will kind of spill the beans and tell you what they've been chomping on and what they've been pissed about and what they really think about the other team for the last couple weeks. And, of course, it was Devin White, and White said, man, he goes, we don't play that game. He said, "They're, they're soft, they're real gimmicky, He's like, you know, we play real football. And so you could tell that that was kind of the philosophy that those guys outside, even as much as we can in current day, we're going to be physical. And and they were easily the more physical team. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you go back and look at the history of great offenses that are stifled either in the playoff, like championship game or the Super Bowl. It always comes down to physicality and a great scheme. And you saw that with the New England against the Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk Rams, right? That was all about beating up Marshall Falk mm-hmm. because Bill Belichick correctly diagnosed that he was the centerpiece of that offense, not Kurt Warner and, the, and those receivers. Uh, you saw it with the Legion of Boom just destroying the Denver passing game in that, in that Super Bowl. I can't remember wh- which one it was. And that was all about physicality. And, you know, it's, it's not often – when great offenses meet great defenses anymore in the NFL game, that the defense wins more often than not, right? That's, that's more the exception now because yeah. of the structure of the game. But when you do do it, it's almost always a combination of physicality and a great scheme where they really diagnose what the other team wants to do, or they, they pick on a weakness that the other team had been disguising. And you saw that, of course, with the Ravens and the Patriots, when the Ravens would beat the Patriots in those AFC championship games, their philosophy was, Hey, Wes Welker, Randy Moss, wow, you guys are awesome, and you're scoring 40 a game. Here's the deal. We're going to let you catch the ball in front of us, and we're going to knock you unconscious. Right. Okay, that's our goal. So you can have as many yards as you want, and you can move up and down the field, but we're going to try to knock one of your guys out and put him in the hospital. And the Ravens were quite open about that game plan. And when they did beat the Patriots, that's exactly what they did. (laughs) I mean, very famously, uh, the Patriots were just getting carted off the field right and left. And, you know, it's a physical element of football that people try to soft pedal, right? And, oh, you don't like to see that in the game. It's like, well, that kind of is what the game is. 
that that is that is the core nature of football. It's a very violent physical game, and no matter what the rule changes are, no matter how much they try to help offense, if you can hit someone really, really hard, and they go staggering to the sideline, you take something out of them that scheme can't quite compensate for. Yeah, and not just physically, but some a lot of times more psychologically I mean you get into their head and you may not you may not run that route the exact same way and that, that's been going on that a lot of that's been taken out but some of that obviously still exists in football any other cleanup with the Super Bowl uh, I, I did get a kick out of how you mentioned Andy Reid and how he had had someone kind of taking over the duties of game management what do you think about that timeout which ended up giving Tampa Bay uh, a touchdown uh, before the you end know, of the half. You know, of, of the Andy Reid Hall of Shame of bad it, late that game wasn't management, that bad. that's not the worst. I understand he thinks he has confidence in his offense that they're going to go down the field and score, right? And so he's going to go, he's going to dance with who brung him. Uh, now, in retrospect, it's clear that your offense was not kicking ass and taking names, and you might have just gone into halftime and, and allowed the, that lead. But you know what? I, I can't fault that hugely. And that's that's a lot of armchair quarterbacking. You know, I think the more legitimate criticisms of, of Reed are around running game, trying some different formations, trying to line up Tyreek Hill more in the slot, trying to line up Tyreek maybe in the backfield, you know, yeah. uh, just doing different stuff. I, I, I think that's farther down the list um, of, of, but one thing I do want to mention again, and obviously we talked about it, Tampa Bay did exactly the right thing going forward on that fourth and one. Yeah, they and did. they didn't get it. And, and what happened after that is exactly why you do go for it on fourth and one, because the other team so backed up, Kansas City got the ball on the one. They got one first down. They punted. They kind of shanked the punt right uh, after the re-kick because I think they had a penalty. They shanked that second punt. Tampa Bay gets the ball near midfield. They're already back in field goal position. Yeah. So they haven't lost anything. And now they have a chance to go score a touchdown again. So not only do you have the chance of scoring a touchdown on fourth and one, obviously, uh, but then you have a chance of getting it right back and going and scoring again. So the fact that you go for it there, it's not even debatable to me. It's a no-brainer. And, and the people that would try to take the points, you take the points in a big game. But it's like, shut up. Like, you don't <laughs> even understand basic probability theory. And Hat tip to the Kansas City linebacker who made an amazing form tackle on Ronald Jones. But I redo that play. I redo fourth and one every single time. Yeah. I thought Jones got in live and then they showed the replay. We never got a pure down the angle, which they have 150 cameras. I don't know why we don't have one there. We had over top, overhead, and it looks like probably the head got in, but the ball didn't. So they probably made the right call. But I'm with you there. I'm, I don't think I'm always let's go for it and not take the points. But in that situation where they were at, yeah, and usually that is what happens. You're going to get the ball back around midfield. That, 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 was, that was a bad break. But also Kansas City, man, they were so sloppy. They were sloppy all year. It was something that I expected in this game from them, not to that degree. But they had some penalties that really killed them. The offsides on the field goal, which ended up being four more points for Tampa Bay. And then that one right there, because that first punt, he actually boomed it. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, penalties murder you at every level. <laughs> and, yeah. and a lot of Kansas City's were own goals, right? You know, the, in soccer, when you kick the ball back or the right. goalie mishandles the ball and it goes in, that's, 
Kansas City had way too many of those. And Tampa Bay just played slick, man. They they look like a machine. So, hey, uh, brief aside, I don't want to necessarily spend too much time on this, but I thought the halftime show sucked, and I thought most of the commercials sucked. Agreed. What's up? I mean, I think I do think with commercials, I think companies, there's a couple things that, that I think factor into it. One, the pandemic. So financially, some people are, are clearly cutting back with their company, and it's just not a smart move this year. But I do think even for the companies that could, why risk it? Seriously. I mean, we live in such yeah. an environment right now where someone, some group is going to be mad. And it may be a small brush fry, a brush fire, but God knows what that may turn into online where all of a sudden you spent all this money and there was one little thing in your commercial and someone thought it was insensitive or got offended. And the, that's, the, that's the other thing. So it, I knew that we, we knew that this kind of world of wokeness and the PC world was just going to kill comedy. But it kills comedy in little spots like that, too. Stand-up actually will be okay. That may be the last bastion we have is because people will still go out there, go up there and do that and take the heat. But it really trickles down to sitcoms, commercials, movies. And some of these commercials back in the day were pretty funny. Well, to be funny, you may have to take a chance or two. I'm not saying go way over the top. I'm not talking about Red Fox here. But take a little bit of a chance and if I was a company and I was running one or I, it was my decision, I'd go, no, it's not worth it. It's not worth the risk. You nailed it. I mean, I hate to say I'm, it. I'm sad to say you nailed it. It's the death of clever. It's yeah. the death of funny. It's the death of irreverent. And in mainstream America, you're right. You're exactly right. And I think that's a shame. I think that's unfortunate. And the shame is you can still be pretty clever and 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 relatively inoffensive. I know there's always someone who will find some opportunity. I mean, if you've been watching those progressive commercials with the middle age coach, yeah, pretty funny. Those, those are those are great, right? And really funny, really well done. Um, and, and sadly, I see little bits of myself in it. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. Trust me. Oh, there's the one where the three guys are standing, and he has one guy sit down, and he goes. Oh, but he makes like a sound as he sits. And then the Dr. Rick looks at the other guys and goes, did you hear that? And they're right. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's me. I, <laughs> I was like, oh, no. I love the one uh, whenever the, uh, the the person with blue hair comes in. And, blue hair. Yeah. And he goes, we all, like, see, all it. see it. We all see, see it. it. <laughs> Just relax. <laughs> Don't say anything. <laughs> what I love is that the guy's looking at tools in a hardware store, and he turns and starts talking to a guy. You know what you really need. And then he walks up and goes, did he ask you for his help? Right. No. No. I and then know. the woman walking into Costco with her cell phone on speakerphone. Yeah. And he's like, do you see that she has her cell phone on speakerphone right now? Do we do that? And everyone's like, no, no. <laughs> it's great. So, yeah, I mean, I do think you're still capable of of – being funny and, and relatively inoffensive, but boy, you have to hit a, a, a sort of genius uh, little 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 undercurrent in our culture that's that's relatively inoffensive, and that's not easy to do. No. I mean, nailing that kind of Dr. Rick progressive type commercial that's hard as hell. Yeah, and you know, I I just think it's a shame. Um, I, you know, I don't know if that bears any relation to the halftime show, which was 
I mean, it's just unwatchable. I basically just fast forwarded through it. Um, I, I'm not, I mean, look, obviously it's, it's probably not my kind of music that I can't feel my face guy, Yeah. but I'm open-minded. I mean, I, I, dude, I mean, I grew up as a, a devotee of, of eighties and nineties rap and heavy metal and everything, you know, in country. I mean, everything in between, I like a little bit of everything. I'm I don't own any Lady Gaga albums, but you know what? She's super talented. Yeah. I'll, I'll be happy to watch her in a halftime show. This guy, uh, did did he pay them maybe to be the halftime performer? That's well, my theory. So he did pay five million dollars, I believe. We talked about this on the show. Just to, I, I guess you you pay to set up the whole performance. So they ask you to do it, but then you finance all the stuff around it. And he spent so much to, just to try and make the audio and and make it as good as possible. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't. I'm so I'm such an old man on this stuff that I, I just kind of shake my head. There's a lot of my friends my age that are still kind of hip and young with music, and you know what? Go for it. Uh, there's kind of a little bit of a time where I'll chuckle because I'll get made fun of. It's like you don't know who that is. Like you're 42. Grow up. No, yeah, I don't. I, yeah. I, I, well, you know I, what? I listen to old shit. Okay. I I do mostly, but you know what? I know who Macklemore is. I you know I I I keep up. To an yeah. extent. Now, obviously, rap, in my opinion, has taken a turn towards the worst because everything's auto-tuned. But, um, you know, there are a few rappers. You know, Kendrick Lamar is a very good rapper. Yeah, so if he had done him. a halftime show, I'd be interested to watch it. Right. right? So um, I don't know if this is my old manism or is just the weekend sucks. So maybe uh, our younger listeners will let us know. Maybe they'll chime in. Those You guys in your 20s, let us know. <laughs> Well, uh, I, I, is, is weekend awesome and we didn't didn't understand it or what's going on here? I'm guessing I'm guessing after just listening to both of us that we both were old men there. I know I definitely was, but uh, I had heard the last song that he did. And is that the face song? And that's all right. It, it's OK. I, I think my niece likes them. So it's just a different different era. But, yeah, it just didn't sound didn't sound that great. So I wasn't a huge fan. Hey, I want to get your take on Matt Stafford before we get out of here and going to Sean McVay in that system. You know, his arm is still is still around and alive. It's still pretty pretty lively and it's got some zip. His balls do. So, with that kind of waggle game, boot game, if they can get that offensive line rebuilt, this this should be fun. I'm curious because I feel like Stafford's always kind of gotten a pass and maybe rightfully so cuz the teams have sucked so much, but we're going to find out probably how good he is because he's still young enough. He's 32 years old. That should be a system that should work for his arm, right? Exactly. And, you know, people try to portray this trade as, oh, this is Herschel Walker, Cowboys, Vikings trade. No, no, it's not. No, They're, the Rams are unloading a quarterback they don't believe in anymore. And a lot and of salary the pudding. A lot of salary, a lot of salary, too. A lot of that was the reason they gave up an, even an extra first rounder is because they dumped that salary. Detroit's taken Goff's guaranteed money for three years. That was a huge salary dump. And so I do want to praise the NFL GMs because they are getting a little bit more like the NBA. They're getting a little more adventurous and a little more aggressive. And that's a good thing because NFL GMs have always been very shy about making the big trade, right? Because it's, it's job security. And now there's some GMs in the league who are starting to understand that, hey, no risk it, no biscuit, to quote Bruce Arians. Yeah. So you want to get rid of Jared Goff. He's dead money and he's a dead player. When they replaced him with that 
other quarterback who's a, a no-name nobody, uh, the Rams' offense was just as good. And Goff frustrates the hell out of McVay. And they no. want to get rid of that money. And they want to get rid of Goff. The other thing is not all first-round picks are created equally. No. And people want to pretend – well, look, here's the deal. If the Rams, you know, crash and burn, ooh, this trade's going to hurt them. But if you're trading a bunch of picks that are actually a, a first-round pick that's number 25 – that's not the same as trading a, a first round pick. That's number three. These are, these are, I mean, any, when you get in a normal draft, once you get past the top 15 to 20 players, the next 60 guys are all second rounders. It's just a matter of preference. Or all first rounders depends on how you look at it. Or all first rounders. Yeah. And either way works out for you. Right. Correct. Yeah. No, they're, but they're all, they're all pretty close. Yeah, and then so that the point is then it's just a matter of choice. If number 25 is not materially different from number 61, who cares if you traded the rights to number 25? Um, that said, the Rams have made some really dumb moves with Todd Gurley. They paid him. Don't pay a running back. Goff. An injury-prone running back. Goff too early, yeah. too much guarantee. Goff. Exactly right. And, and hopefully they'll get out of that bad habit. But I don't see this as the stupid trade that everyone was trying to, oh, the Rams got taken advantage of. Hey, I, I, can, I can see the argument for both sides. I, I think it's possible you can make a trade where both sides benefit. And Matt Stafford, man, he is an enigma wrapped in a riddle in that he is one of the toolsiest guys in the NFL. That, that is a pure arm. Yeah. And NFL quarterbacks will tell you, like, ooh, Aaron Rodgers – Matt Stafford, Mahomes, like that is a pure arm. And they use the term arm talent. Most of the time people who use it don't know what they're talking about, but that's arm talent. You know, that's, he can throw a ball. He can make all the throws. And the argument has always been, is he a loser or is he a stat compiler, right? Is he, or is he just been plagued by this terrible franchise that can't get out of its own way? Exactly. We're going to find out. Yeah, we are. I know that that's why I'm excited about it. I like when we get to, someone who's 32 in their career who's been playing forever. And Cleveland's the same way. There are certain spots where you will get a pass whether you deserve it or not. And I feel like he's gotten a pass by most people. But but there are also other people I've talked to who probably underrate him and just say, nah, guy's a loser. Guy, guy won't win anywhere. Well, we'll see what the Rams can do. they got to rebuild that offensive line a little bit. But that's going to be fun to see him and McVay. Yeah, McVay is usually a pretty coy customer, but I could see on the sideline this year how frustrated he was. And when he started that other cat against Seattle, that told us everything we need to know because Goff had had thumb surgery, I think, 12 days before. But Goff said he was ready to go. And at that point, it, it, you know, that relationship was already over with. Yeah, it was burnt. It was done. And I think the Rams, I mean, it's a, it's a fascinating experiment. And if you believe Stafford is this great talent who's been an, an, under, an underutilized asset, right? If you really believe he's one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league, you know, maybe one of the top six now, right? With Ben Roethlisberger getting old, et cetera. Uh, this is a no-brainer trade. This yeah. is exactly what you should do. If he's not, if he's really the, the number 15 quarterback in the league and he just put up a bunch of stats playing from behind in Detroit, Ooh, this ain't gonna be. This ain't gonna work out great. So we're gonna find out. I don't know. I don't know. I, I really want to see the answer myself. It's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, here's a no-brainer for you. Get in touch with David McClellan, fiduciary financial advisor. He's from Forum Financial. 
great reputation, uh, not only for him, but obviously David, too. Uh, that's why we partnered up with him. He's already helped out a lot of our listeners. He specializes in financial life coaching, also retirement planning. So many things changing right now. I mean, the environment is completely different. So you want to talk to a professional, but so whether it's kind of long-term or maybe just recently some stuff you want to look at, he can help you with that. Also help you understand your financial freedom number. That's very important to everyone. And maybe some things you could be doing differently to uh, to help out that financial freedom number and also build your wealth. Get in touch with them. 312-933-8823. It's 312-933-8823. Or email them, dmcclellan at forumfinfin.com. Kevin, you and I, before this podcast, we're going to let you guys on the insider talk that happens uh, before the pod. We were like, hey, let's do a quick 30 minutes on the Super Bowl, and we're going to follow up with a UT recruiting class pod either tomorrow or the next day, and we'll really get into it. And one hour later. I told you. I told you. I predicted it. I go, because we had other stuff, and I said, there's no way we get to that. I'm just going, I'm going on what we've done before. Uh, you and I, nature abhors a vacuum, and you and I abhor any any time filler less than one hour of chat. We so. really do. Have we ever talked for just five minutes? I know we have, but I, I think, and, and the funny thing is, is that we'll start to get going, and one of us will be like, hey, let's cut this off. Uh, we'll, yeah. Well, it, it, even our private conversations. And That's I what I'm saying. With, with my friends, I either don't talk to you at all, uh, which is a guy, and at least the kind of guys I like, they don't care no, if I don't talk to them. Never for a get period offended of time. by that. But then when we talk, we talk for four hours, right. and it's like, okay, man, we're 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 like the high school sweethearts. That <laughs> Linda, you get off the phone. No, you get off the phone. And it's like, hey, man, we got to put an end to this. Right. This isn't this isn't productive now, but. <laughs> It's hilarious. We're doing the same thing on the pod. So, hey, you guys have hopefully been the beneficiaries of that tendency. I hope you enjoyed the breakdown of the Super Bowl and our ruminations on uh, COVID and all these other different things. But, uh, hey, keep supporting the podcast. We're fired up to keep providing it for you. And the little Easter egg that I teased, Kevin and I are going to deliver. This week, we're going to do a breakdown of the entire 2021 recruiting class. We're going to have some good little nuggets for you. We're going to have some stuff that you may not know. So you may think that you know everything about this group and you're ready for 2022. I'm ready for 2022. It's going to set up as a great class for Sark. But 2021, there's some guys that you don't want to sleep on, and we'll have some good info on this class. Look forward to that. Talk to you uh, later on. So, yeah, you guys uh, obviously just – you know, stay stay posted or stay tuned for for that recruiting one. That'll be coming out at some point this week. We do appreciate all the support. We've gotten a lot of love. Paul and I are having a blast do, doing this. So y'all be good. Talk to y'all later.